I'd like to ask you to turn in your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 31. We're drawing to a close in our series of studies through the book of Proverbs throughout this fall. This morning we look at the final section in the last chapter, Proverbs 31, verses, 20, or verses 10 through 31. Hear the word of God. An excellent wife who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her, her hands to the, hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. I sometimes will frustrate my wife whenever it's time to make a a major purchase for our household, whether like a new car or television or some major expense, because she tends to be a little more impulsive, and I tend to want to do tons of research. I want to check consumer reports. I want to check the online reviews. I want to ask lots of opinions, and she has to be patient for me while I go through that process. But when I think about that, I think it's kind of ironic to me because that way of shopping for electronic goods or cars is so different than the way I went shopping for a wife. (laughs) I was very superficial and very impulsive. I started shopping for a wife very soon after I came to know the Lord and So much of my thinking was just like the world, just like all my other buddies. Like most guys, I was focused more on the packaging of the girls that I was shopping among. 
I was more concerned about their looks, their popularity, their social class, their income, and probably most importantly, how interested were they in me. But praise God, he is sovereign. He overruled my foolishness and provided for me an excellent wife in spite of myself. Verse 10 says, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. Excellent wives and excellent husbands are not easy to find. That's the implication of that verse. They're not plentiful. You have to search for them. And it seems like the darker our culture becomes, the harder they are to find, the more rare and precious they are. You better do your research. Choosing a spouse is the second most important decision you'll ever make in life. Second only to giving your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a choice that will make or break your life in this world. And it's a choice that will affect generations to come. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 4 says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. You've seen the truth of that, haven't you? Maybe, hopefully not in your own household, but you've seen it in many households. As we look at this last passage in the book of Proverbs, it's interesting to note that in the original language, in the original Hebrew, it's an acrostic poem. That means that every line in the poem in the original Hebrew starts with a succeeding letter in the Hebrew alphabet. It uses all 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and each line starts with a different letter. That's an artistic device that is actually used elsewhere in Scripture as well. Psalm 119 is another example. And it is a very creative way of communicating truth. But it's also done that way for memorization. When something's done as an acrostic poem that says, this is important. We want you to know this word. And I can't imagine a more important word than a word from God on how to choose a wife or a husband. It also expresses the idea of completeness. When you see an acrostic poem, it's kind of like when we use the phrase, everything from A to Z. That's really what it is getting at, that this is a comprehensive picture of what we are to be looking for. This poem describes an idealistic wife in a typical, probably upper-middle-class, lower-upper-class Jewish home, a home that has been blessed by the Lord largely because of the kind of wife and mother that is in it. I love one quote from J.A. Bayer, who's a commentator on Scripture. He said, Proverbs 31 is a wonderful picture of what the life of wisdom would look like were wisdom to be incarnate in an ordinary home. I love that phrase. Proverbs 31 is a wonderful picture of what the life of wisdom would look like were wisdom to be incarnate in an ordinary home. Immediately, I thought back to our study in in Proverbs 9, where it portrayed for us Lady Wisdom, all these wonderful, perfect traits of Lady Wisdom. Well, here, 
It's almost as though the writer of Proverbs is putting Lady Wisdom in just an ordinary Jewish home and say, what does it look like? What does wisdom look like in that setting? And what that reminds me is that all through Scripture, wisdom isn't some kind of mystical, ethereal philosopher sitting cross-legged in a toga on the top of a mountain somewhere where you go to ask him questions. That's not what wisdom looks like in Scripture. Wisdom looks like a hard-working wife and mother taking on the normal challenges of life and the normal challenges of a household, managing, serving, and creating. That's what wisdom looks like. As one commentator said, it's godliness in working clothes. Here again, and I want you to understand as I begin to dig into this, that I'm addressing a search for either a husband or a wife. We've noticed all along that the book of Proverbs is written as a father, a wise father writing advice to a young son about to go on and t- go out and take on the world. And so when it comes to looking for a spouse, of course he couches it in the language of a son looking for a wife. But I was very struck as I spent time studying this this week of how the instruction that is given here applies almost equally, almost without exception, to either looking for a husband or looking for a wife. These are the qualities of a spouse that you're to look for, whether male or female. The basic principles we find here are modified, and as some of the language is couched in terms of a wife and a mother, but the principles that are applied would apply to either. And I want to point out that, you know, it's interesting here, and I, I, there are a couple of things that aren't really related to the rest of the message, but I wanted to make sure I point them out as you're reading through this passage. Contrary to our culture's stereotypical view of what's taught in Scripture about women, though, having said that, understand this is a very exalted view of the wife and the mother. Higher than you'll see, much higher than the view of women in our culture. And yet, they feel that the biblical view towards women is so demeaning. I read an article a couple months ago about why in the last five to ten years has there been such a proliferation of superhero movies. They're everywhere. You you drive down, you drive by the theater, typically two or three out of ten movies, it seems, are are about a superhero. Why? the, The article was asking the question, what's going on in our society that this is so popular? What kind of a need? What scratch is this itching? And the one quote that just stuck out to me, says, we need superheroes to inspire us to do great things. And scripture will do that. Scripture will lay before us ideals, and that's what we have here in Proverbs 31, the ideal spouse. Bruce Waltke, in his commentary on Proverbs 31, says, wise daughters aspire to be like her, wise men seek to marry her, and all wise people aim to incarnate the wisdom that she embodies, each in his own sphere of activity. It is good to be inspired to the ideal, even though none of us will get close to attaining it in this life. And I also want, for those of you that have already chosen a spouse, to not feel like you can tune me out the rest of the message, because this isn't only for those speaking a spouse. This is the ideal, this is the standard, this is the measurement for us as spouses, for what God is calling us to be and to do. One other point before we dig in. 
I just want to affirm, it's kind of a no-brainer if you've studied scripture at all, but the perspective on marriage in Proverbs is very much the same perspective that you have in the New Testament, isn't it? It's a covenant between a man and a woman, one man, one woman, for life, before God. And because of that, actually, if we had another message in this series, which we don't, but if we did, I could do one on adultery because Proverbs has a lot to say about adultery. A lot. It has such a high view of the covenant of marriage before God that adultery is repeatedly portrayed as cosmic high treason. And it needs to be taken seriously. So, all that does is bring us back to the main point for today, which is you need, when you're looking for a spouse or you're thinking about being a spouse, in your search, you need to choose very carefully. And the first step is actually not explicitly spelled out here in chapter 31, but it is spelled out elsewhere in the book of Proverbs. The first step in finding a spouse is to seek the Lord in his kingdom first. Seek the Lord in his kingdom first. Proverbs repeatedly presents a good wife as a gift from God. Chapter 18, verse 22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. A good wife is a gracious favor from the Lord. In chapter 19, verse 14, it says, House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Begin your search for a spouse by saying, I need this to be seen in my mind, in my life, as a gift from the Lord. I think that was part of the problem that I had as a young man with my worldly standards and superficial ideals I had as I went looking for a spouse, is that I didn't see that the process of searching for a spouse is under the Lordship of Christ. I bought into the lie that finding a spouse is about finding what I want, what excites me, what makes me happy, what fits my agenda, what makes me look good. My standards looked just like the world's. Wherever you are in this life process, focused first on having a solid, growing, submissive relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Make that your first focus. Make that your passion. So that then you can turn to him and say, Lord, please give me a spouse that will honor you and truly bless my life. I often tell people when they're facing big decisions in life, whether it's a decision to take a job or to move halfway across the country or to get married or to have children, I always say to them, before you make any important decision in life, make sure that you're walking closely with the Lord. In other words, don't ever make a decision in life, an important decision about your life, when you're not walking closely with the Lord. And all that does is illustrate the point of Proverbs, is that Any blessing from God is a gift from him. You need to go to him in order to receive it. You need to draw near to him to receive his wisdom and his gifts. Secondly, and this is where we get into the details of Proverbs 31, after you've sought the Lord first, 
and, be, and ensure that you're walking closely with him. Then make the character of the Lord the profile for your search. Make the character of the Lord the profile for your search. As you read through these characteristics, as we kind of observe the life of this idealistic wife and mother, as you observe the characteristics, what you'll realize very quickly is the same themes that we've been talking about all through the book of Proverbs are popping up again here in this description. This wife is the opposite of what we have seen Proverbs describe again and again as the fool. The fool who rejects God's word and goes his own way, this wife is the opposite of that. This wife is the opposite of the mocker. This wife is the opposite of the sluggard. So everything that Proverbs has been warning you about in characteristics in your own life or in the lives of the people around you, this wife and mother is the idealized version on the other end of the spectrum. That can be very intimidating to us, very discouraging, because we are so far from it. But we are all, by grace, in process. We are all being conformed into the image of the character of the Lord. And so, make the character of the Lord the profile for your search. First of all, first, and, I, and it's hard to kind of summarize it in just three or four characteristics, but here are the three or four I came up with just from studying this text. The first one is strength. Look for strength. For in a spouse. Verse 10 says, and it's interesting in the very wording of the very first phrase, an excellent wife who can find. I had some fun trying to search down the roots of that word excellent because you'll notice if you go to other English translations, English translators have a hard time knowing how to put that word into our language. Excellent actually began in, in its growth as a word in the original Hebrew, it began as the word a force, it was describing a force, a strong force. And then it most often got used to describe an army. And so if a king was a strong king, he had mighty armies that could defend him and advance his causes. But then later on, as the word kept being more and more broadened in its use, it was basically the idea of any forces, resources, things that made you strong in life. And so you come up with translations like excellent or virtuous or noble Probably it's a little less flashy, but probably a more comprehensive word is the word capable. A capable, strong, excellent wife who can find. Verse 17 says she dresses herself with strengths and makes her arms strong. Now there it's speaking initially about physical strength, but when you look at the context of that verse, it's also talking about spiritual strength and emotional strength, moral strength. Strength both inwardly and outwardly. Look for a strong spouse. Now when I say that, I don't mean a spouse who has a strong personality like the world talks about a strong personality. When you think of a strong personality, you're thinking of somebody who, who imposes their will on other people. That type A kind of person that just drives for whatever they want. That's not the kind of strong personality that's being described here at all. It's Christ-like strength. Remember the word, when you want to talk about the strength of Christ, there's a word that the New Testament uses that we really wrestle with how to understand that word, but it's the word meekness. Meekness is how the strength of Christ is described. And what it means, meekness is the idea that it's strength, it's inner strength, 
that is under control. Inner strength that is under submission to authority. It's strength that is used to pursue righteousness. Meekness is the kind of strength that you need to look for in a spouse. Strength under the lordship of Jesus Christ, submissive to the lordship of Christ, seeking the purposes of Christ. Peter actually changes the the image a little bit. He's talking, instead of strength primarily, he's talking about beauty, but talking to the wives in in chapter 3, he says, 1 Peter chapter 3, he says, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. And so he's talking about beauty, but it's the same idea. Beauty and strength should be a beauty and strength of Christ-like character. That's what should be of high importance to you as you're searching for a spouse. That's the kind of beauty and strength that won't get weaker and lesser as your spouse gets older and more physically infirmed and aged and weak. I think if Peter were talking to husbands in that same passage, he would say, don't let your strength and your attractiveness be the kind you get at the gym pumping iron. Let it be a hidden inner strength and attractiveness. Make strength one of your primary points of search, your primary point in your profile, in your search. Secondly, diligence. Look for diligence. It's a major emphasis in these verses. She's a hard-working, faithful, diligent wife and mother. Verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Remember weeks ago, we looked at work from the perspective of Proverbs. And Proverbs condemns the way of the sluggard, the lazy person, the person who seeks pleasure and comfort in the things of this world instead of in the calling that the Lord has placed on your life. Well, here you see that this wise wife embraces work like Proverbs tells her to, to embrace it as a gift from God. It's part of being made in the image of God. It's part of finding real satisfaction in this world is to embrace the work that God has called you to do and to do it diligently and to do it faithfully. It says here that she's up before daybreak caring for the needs of her family. She provides the food. She makes the clothes. She makes bed coverings. She plants a vineyard and tends to it. But it's not just in terms of the domain of the home. She's out in the community. She's out in the marketplace. She's out in the business world. She operates a fine clothing business. She spins the thread from wool and flax. She weaves fine linen garments, and she sells them high-quality garments. And she also invests in real estate. She not only works the vineyard, but she goes out and considers a field and negotiates and buys a field. She's faithful. She's hardworking. If you're looking for a spouse, Proverbs would say to you, watch out for the sluggards. Watch out for them. And you need to watch out for them because if you think in terms, if you were like I was and you're searching for a spouse according to the world standards, the sluggards can fool you. Because the sluggards, the lazy ones, the worldly ones, the ones that look for comfort and pleasure in this world, just in my experience, this is, I'm not basing this in scripture, just my observation, they tend to be 
the life of the party type. They tend to be the real outgoing, the real socially gifted. That's how they get by without being diligent in their work a lot of the times, is they're so socially gifted. They'll reel you in. You will not realize the laziness, the sluggardliness that's at the root of their way of life. They're popular. But verse, chapter 15, verse 19 says, The way of a sluggard is, the, is like a hedge of thorns. Is that what you want your way of life to be like? Thorns, a hedge of thorns the whole way? It's not a path you want to travel through life. Thirdly, third characteristic from this passage, a godly spouse has a servant's heart. She has a servant's heart. You see it in how she serves the needs of her family. It says in verse 13, she works with willing hands. She wants to serve. It's not some grievous obligation. She's not grinding her teeth or gritting her teeth as she goes about the work that she's been called to do, whether it's in the marketplace or the community or in the home. She willingly works. She willingly serves. It's the attitude of a servant that Paul describes in Ephesians 6 where he says that we are to serve not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as unto the Lord and not to man. It's service that is offered in true love for your neighbor and love for God. In verse 20, it talks about that love for the neighbor. It says, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. The law of God, the word from Moses that God gave through Moses said to be open-handed. And that's what this godly spouse is like. She's open-handed. She's anxious to give to the needs of others. She looks for opportunity to meet the needs of others. Her desire as a servant is to build others up, even at her own expense, because that's the love of Christ. In verses 11 and 12, it says, The heart of her husband trusts in her. She does him good not, and not harm all the days of her life. She's looking to do good, to build up, to strengthen and encourage the husband and the children in the household. It's the opposite of what the book of Proverbs continuously warns us against, which is getting uh, for this young son of the wise father that he might not be connected to a contentious woman. He tells him over and over again to avoid a contentious woman. In chapter 19, verse 13, he says, A wife's quarreling is like a continual dripping of rain. It's interesting to me that the dripping that he's talking about, that a contentious, a quarreling, battling wife or a husband brings into a household, that it's not like a leaky faucet, because a leaky faucet is just annoying, but it's a leaky roof. It's a leak coming through the roof, and if that's not addressed and that's not dealt with, it's going to ruin the home. In chapter 21, if you just flip over there a moment, in verse 9, again, a very similar idea. It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. In verse 19, it's better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome wife. And fretful woman, you get the message. There was a, a 
popular t-shirt. I don't know what, where else I've seen that phrase, but I've seen it on a t-shirt, actually a wife and a mother wearing a t-shirt that said, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And those of us who have lived in any household, you know that's true. That if, and, as, and again, I don't mean to single out wives and mothers because it's just as true of husbands and fathers. But I don't think it's something you should put on your t-shirt and boast about. Because if you truly have the servant's heart that the Proverbs 31 woman has, then it's not about being contentious and getting what you want all the time. It's about building up and serving others. That sounds like something that few of us would want to sign up for. But it is the path in Proverbs and the path in Scripture to true honor and to true glory. It's the path that our Lord Jesus Christ took when he went to the cross. It's the path of true honor, the path of true glory. Husbands are told to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's a servant's heart. Enduring the pains of hell that all of us have deserved for all eternity to build us up. That's the kind of love of the cross. And it's the kind of love and the kind of service that leads to true glory. Look at verses 28 and 29. says, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. We do so much fighting for commendation and reward and affirmation in this life, but there is no higher honor than the one that's described there. It's when your children rise up and call you blessed. When your husband stands publicly and calls you blessed, That's a high honor. Now, I'm warning you, if you have kids, I've raised five of them, my oldest is 30. It takes, I'm finding out, to about 30 before you get them standing up and calling you blessed. But boy, it's sweet when it comes. And I want to say also to fathers and husbands and wives and mothers, your children will follow your example. You need to commit yourself to speaking highly of your spouse, to honoring them, because they're looking to you for their perspective, for, their exa- for your example. You take the lead in leading your children to bring that honor to the godly spouse you have if you have one. Service is the way to honor. Service is the way to glory in the kingdom of God. Which brings me to my fourth and final character trait to look for in a spouse, which is the wisdom of the Lord. The wisdom of the Lord. It's the theme of Proverbs, isn't it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And here it says that a wise, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Fearing the Lord is the way to wisdom, and wisdom is the way to great blessing in the kingdom of God. If a wife knows God's word, loves God's word, and knows how to apply God's word to her life, then she will bring riches into her household. It says in verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. And that's what makes a wealthy household, not high salaries. Chapter 24, verses 3 and 4 say, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge its rooms are filled with all precious 
and pleasant riches. Look for a spouse, a husband or a wife. Look for a spouse who knows the word of God, loves the word of God, is committed to the word of God, and is learning how to apply the word of God. There is nothing more important than that. So let me review for a second. Seek the Lord first. Seek his kingdom first before you go to look for a spouse. Draw near to him so that you can be sure that he is guiding your search. Secondly, look for strength. Look for strength of character. Look for Christ-like character that's developing in this future husband or wife. Look for diligence and faithfulness in pursuing their calling in life and avoid the sluggards. Look for a servant's heart that looks to build up and meet the needs of others. And look for the wisdom of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, and a pursuit of the word of the Lord that will bring blessing and what real wealth to your household. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman or a man who fears the Lord is to be praised. That's your quest. But again, as we said at the beginning, it's an impossible quest. An excellent wife or an excellent husband, who can find? No one measures up to this standard except one, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the only one who perfectly exemplifies the strength the diligence, the servanthood, and the wisdom that's portrayed here. But the good news is he has given that to us as a gift as we stand before God. He paid the price for all our foolishness at the cross. He paid the price for all our mocking at the cross. He paid the price for all our laziness at the cross. And those who put their faith in him are made clean and new before him. And we can become like him by his grace. He has delivered us not only from the penalty of our sin, but the power of our sin. A committed, growing Christian as a spouse is a fantastic investment because Christ has promised that he will continue to work in them and make them more and more like himself. As Paul said, he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Just a quick word before I close to those of you who have made poor choices in your search for a spouse in the past. I know there are many. What hope is there for someone who's made a poor choice? There's a lot I could say to that, but I guess my closing word would be look to John chapter 4, because there's where the Lord Jesus Christ, this perfect, perfect human being, who exemplified all that we're talking about, he met a very broken woman, a Samaritan woman at the well. This is a woman who chose foolishly five times and was working on a sixth one when it came to a spouse. But Christ accepted her right where she was and offered her living water that would make her clean, that would make her new, that would give her a life and a strength and a power It was far beyond anything she could imagine. The grace of God doesn't change history, but it does atone for sin. It makes us clean through the blood of Christ. The grace of God doesn't deliver us from the consequences to our foolish choices, but it does give us the strength to change, the strength to endure, 
and the strength even to rejoice in the midst of our suffering because Christ is using it to make us more like him, to make us a better spouse, to make us a better disciple of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we all long for the kind of marriage that Scripture presents for us as the ideal. And yet, we ourselves are such poor examples of what the godly wife or the godly husband is designed to be. Continue to pour out your grace upon us, we pray. Enable us to not only receive your forgiveness, but to show your forgiveness to our spouses, to others. And Lord, I pray that that renewing work of the living water of Christ would be strengthened today as we reflect upon your word. May we be better spouses ourselves. And for those who are searching for a spouse in the future, guide them and direct them. But most of all, may they first find their contentment and joy in Christ himself. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.